0: The following program is sponsored by Friends of Life Outreach International.
1: There are things that I share with Lisa that I wouldn't share with anybody else. Mm -hmm. There's things I share with my close friends I wouldn't share with acquaintances. God says, if you want to be my intimate, close friend, the fear of the Lord is where you start. And remember, it doesn't mean to be scared of God because you can't be intimate with somebody you're scared of.
0: John Bevere invites you to embrace a largely forgotten virtue, the awe of God, next.
2: Welcome to Life Today. I'm Randy Robinson. My parents are off this week and Tammy is out. She'll be back with us soon. But I am excited because I have one of our favorite guests here at Life Today, John Bevere. We're very excited because he's back. If you missed the first program with John, you can always go to lifetoday.org and see all the programs. I would encourage it if you missed this one because it was good. John, it's great to have you back. It's so good to be back. This topic, man, the awe of God, this uh, it's a challenge it's been a challenge for me, and I grew up in the church, and I study these things. And I think a lot of people, they don't quite understand this whole fear of God, the healthy fear of unhealthy. Give us a little recap of, of what you're talking about.
1: So the, the, the fear of the Lord has nothing to do with being scared of God. Absolutely nothing. The fear of the Lord is, actually has a drawing effect. It makes us want to draw closer to him. It is something that we stand in awe and reverence and honor of him above everything or, an, or anything everyone or anything else. Mm -hmm. And so what it produces in us is a heart that is passionate and joyful. Psalm 112 says, how joyful are those who fear God and delight in obeying his commandments. Mm -hmm. So whenever you have somebody who's truly fearing God, they're joyful and they have a lot of delight. When you see somebody that's grumpy, that doesn't like people, (laughs) that person says they fear God. They don't. They actually don't. They're religious. They're legalistic Mm -hmm. because they actually despise who God loves. God loves every human being on this planet. We are so valuable to him that he said, his thoughts about us outnumber every grain of sand that's on this planet. And God can't exaggerate. Do you know what one cubic foot of beach has? You know what scientists tell us? One cubic foot of beach, 500 million to 1 billion grains of sand. That's crazy. Okay, God cannot exaggerate. So do you understand you don't think a lot about somebody you're not passionate for, Mm. all right? I have stuff... That I I don't think about all year long. You want to know what it is? It's stuff in in our our storage locker. It's called Christmas stuff. And sometimes I go to the locker and I go, oh yeah, I forgot we had that. I didn't think about it once the whole year. But you know I think about Lisa about every 10 seconds because I love that girl so much. So now think about God. God's not going to not think about somebody that much that he doesn't want to be close to. So God's passion is to be close to us. But you can't be close to God unless you fear him. That's interesting. Psalm 25, verse 14 says this in the NLT. Friendship with the Lord is reserved for those who fear him. Oh, wow. So what he's saying is God's not everybody's friend. Now, what does it mean to really fear God? What's the manifestation? What's the outward evidence of truly fearing God? Our love to obey. It means we'll obey him immediately because we delight in it. It means it creates not, a desire. Not because
2: we're afraid he's going to get us if we don't.
1: No. So if you look at it, it creates a desire in you to say, I want to, I want to obey God. Mm-hmm. If you look at what Paul said in Philippians, he said, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, right. not loving kindness, fear and trembling. Right. Why does he say do that? For it is God who works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So the fear and trembling creates a will to joyfully obey God. So what appears to be mundane, what appears to be dreadful, what appears to be boring to somebody else, to the person who fears God, it's delightful because it works on your inside. Mm-hmm. Now your whole paradigm shifts. Mm-hmm. Do you see that? Yeah. So yeah. if you look at a, it, what it really truly means to fear God, the evidence is we'll obey him instantly. We'll obey him when, we don't, when it doesn't make sense. Does it make sense to forgive somebody who has really hurt you? No, not at all. Okay. It means we'll obey him even if it hurts. Mm. Like Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourself also with the same mind. Does that mean God wants us to suffer? No. We live in a hostile world against the kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. So when we obey God, we're going to run into hostility. Religion says suffer to please your God. That's not Christianity. Mm. God says, just obey me, but you're going to run into suffering. So we'll obey him instantly when it doesn't make sense. Even if it hurts, we'll obey him if we don't see a benefit. Esther. Esther. Okay. She's queen to the Persian king, who's the number one king in the whole world at the time. Right? They make a, a pact to annihilate all the Jews. Right? Mm-hmm. Mordecai is the only one that knows she's a Jew. Nobody else knows she's a Jew. He says, go before the king. She says, if I go before the king, my head cut him off. If he doesn't point a scepter, I don't care if I am his wife. Mm-hmm. He said, Esther, you've been brought in the kingdom for such a time. She says, tell the women to fast. I'm going for the king. If I die, I die. Okay. She had nothing to gain, everything to lose, including her head. But her fear of God says, I want to obey God. And then fifth, we obey to completion. Now let's look at Abraham. He's called the friend of God. Why is he called the friend of God? Because God comes to him one night and says, what is most important in your life? There's nothing more important. I want you to go sacrifice it. Hmm. Can you imagine? He doesn't say if you do that. I'll send my son and sacrifice my son. <laughs> he just says, go sacrifice him. Take a three-day journey and sacrifice your son. Can you imagine that night? Yeah. Do you know what the Bible says? Early the next morning, Abraham's on his Early way. The Early morning. the next morning.
2: I would hesitate. <clears throat> give God time to change
1: his mind. So, so now God gives him a three-day journey. Now, it's easy, maybe easier when you heard the booming voice of God the night before, but what about two and a half days later? You're looking at the mountain, and you're going to put the most important person or thing to death in your life just because God said do it and didn't give you a reason. Abraham goes up, builds the altar, lifts up the knife, ready to put through Isaac. And the angel of the Lord appears and says, stop, because now I know you fear God. How Mm. did the angel know Abraham feared God? Because he obeyed instantly. He obeyed when it didn't make sense. He obeyed when it hurt. He obeyed when he didn't see a benefit. And he obeyed to completion. Now, Abraham unties Isaac, lifts up his eyes, and sees a ram in the thicket. And out of his spirit comes Jehovah Jireh. God just revealed a facet of his personality to Abraham He didn't know. That nobody had ever known because he's my friend. Wow. Okay. Now, some people might not be getting this. Everybody knows me as John Bevere, the communicator right now, right? Mm -hmm. You know me as John Bevere's friend. There are some of you out there that know me as John Bevere, the author, but there is a lady, and wow, she's a lady. Her name's Lisa. We've been married 40 years. She knows me as John Bevere, husband, best friend, G-daddy, daddy. She knows me as athlete. She knows me as John Bevere, lover. Do you know nobody will ever know me as John Bevere, lover, except Lisa? Good. Why? Because she's, yeah, that's good. Because <laughs> she's the closest person to me, yeah. right? Yeah. God just revealed a facet of his personality, Abraham. Nobody had ever known wow. before. Now, look at the relationship between Abraham. And God. It's amazing. One day God says, Should we do to Sodom and Gomorrah what we're thinking about doing without talking to our friend Abraham? So God comes down and he and Abraham go on the cliff and God says, Abe, we're thinking about blowing up those two cities over there. What do you think? (laughs) Abe goes, Sodom? And the Lord goes, Yeah, 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 Gomorrah too. What do you think? And he goes, Think, think. Abraham's like, Think. Lot's over there. My nephew's over there. Oh, my gosh. Think, think. Okay, God, you wouldn't blow it up if there was 50 righteous people. Lord goes, excellent idea. Okay, we'll not blow up the cities if there's 50 righteous. Abraham thinks, what if there isn't 50? Okay, how about 45? He talks them all the way <laughs> all down way to down. 10. <laughs> yeah, right. Lot's one. All I need is nine others. Yeah. But there isn't. Mm-hmm. Now, here's what's interesting. The Bible says Sodom and Gomorrah is buying, selling, planting, harvesting, marrying, and giving in marriage. What is that in today's vernacular? Life's great. If there's a God, he doesn't mind our lifestyle. The economy's booming. Everything's great. They're 24 hours away from being obliterated and they're clueless. Mm. That's not what's scary. Mm. This is what's scary. Lot, who the Bible calls righteous, is 24 hours away from being obliterated and he's as clueless as Sodom and Gomorrah. Mm -hmm. It takes two angels to come in and get him out because Abraham prayed. Thank God Abraham prayed. So now here's two righteous men. I'm going to say it in today's terms, two saved, born-again men. Mm -hmm. One righteous man knows what God's going to do before he does it. The other righteous man has no clue. Why? This righteous man fears God. This righteous man doesn't fear God. Mm. Obedience isn't priority to this guy, right? Mm. Therefore, this righteous man knows the secrets of God. This one doesn't because this one's the friend of God, even though this one's righteous He's not the close friend of God. Hmm. So Psalm 25, verse 14 in the New King James says, the secrets of the Lord, or the secret of the Lord, or it actually means secrets. The secrets of the Lord are with those who fear him. Hmm. Who do we share our secrets with? Not acquaintances, intimate, close friends. There are things that I share with Lisa that I wouldn't share with anybody else. Mm -hmm. There's things I share with my boys on another level I wouldn't share with anyone else. Mm -hmm. There's things I share with my close friends. I wouldn't share with acquaintances. Yep. God says, if you want to be my f- intimate, close friend, fearing the fear of the Lord is where you start. And remember, it doesn't mean to be scared of God because you can't be intimate with somebody you're scared of.
2: Mm. Wow. Okay. Man. God, I got lots of questions and reactions to that. Oh, no, no, I know no, no. does, too. Let me start here. Uh, you remember, I think it's 2004, that song comes out, I am a friend of God. We're all singing this in our contemporary. Yeah. Yes. There, there were some who felt, that just feels too
1: casual. Is, is that reverent to say, to strive for that? Uh, okay, would... let's, let's talk about Jesus. Okay. John fifteen fourteen. You are my friends. Remember that statement? Mm -hmm. John 15, you are my friends. So we preach about it. We write songs about it. We sing it. Mm -hmm. But let's quote the verse. You are my friends if. If. If is a condition. Yeah. Okay, Randy, if I say, if you work for me for 40 hours next year, I'll pay you Mm $2,000. Right? Mm -hmm. You don't work for me. You come and say, where's my $2,000? I said, hey, man, it was a condition. I said, if you work for me, you didn't work. So I'm not giving you a $2,000 pay, right? Right. Okay, you are my friends if, what's the if? If you do whatever I command you. Obedience. Obedience. Uh Uh-oh. The manifestation of the holy fear of God. So in other words, what Jesus is saying is not everybody in the church is my intimate close friend. You will actually notice that God said about Moses, there is no one I trust in my house more than him. Now, that's something for God to say, I trust you. Mm -hmm. Why did, why did Moses get God's trust? Because he feared God, whereas Israel didn't. Okay? So, to Israel, God's voice sounded like thunder. To Moses, it was clear and crisp. <laughs> so now, if you go to John 2, you will, or John chapter 1 or 2, you'll find out that the Bible says that many people trusted in Jesus, but he didn't trust them. Them, yeah. Why? Because he knew it was in the heart of men. Okay, so then you go three and a half years later, and he looks at the disciples and said, you're the ones that have continued with me through my trials. A lot of my disciples left. John chapter 6, many of his disciples walked away, right? You stayed with me. Now, Judas is already gone. This is the 11. Mm-hmm. And he said, no longer do I call you servants. Okay, this is John 15, 15. No longer do I call you servants because a servant doesn't know what his master's doing, doesn't know the secret wisdom or the plans of his master. He said, yeah. but now I call you friends. Yeah. Now, why would God do this for us? Why would God, even though we're an heir, remember Galatians 4, as long as the heir is a child, he differs nothing from the servant, okay? Okay, Why would God, even though we're heirs of God, keep us at a servant level instead of an intimate friend level? I'll tell you why. To protect us because Ananias and Sapphira got too familiar with God. They thought they could cover a little lie up in his glorious mm. presence. Mm. They both fell over dead. That didn't make God happy. Mm. Did God just turn and burn against him and kill him? No. Listen, if you sunbathe on the beach, it's delightful. But you go ten thousand miles from the sun, because the sun's ninety three million miles away from the earth, you ten thousand miles sunbathing from the sun, yeah, you're burned God. up. Mm-hmm. They put themselves in harm's way. This is why God has withheld his glory from the church, mm-hmm. because he doesn't he doesn't delight in Ananias and sapphire situations, but he's maturing the character of the church through the holy fear of God, which matures our character, so that he can manifest his glory, so that we don't have ananias and Sapphira situations because remember when ananias and Sapphira fell over dead peter walks out of that meeting and he walks down the streets and they had lined the streets with the sick and the crippled and he just walks down the streets and they get up the presence and the authority of god was on him so strong that it healed the people if you go back and you look at Aaron's sons, they were authorized to come into the presence of God, right, in the tabernacle. Mm-hmm. But Nadab and Abihu in Leviticus chapter 10, they go in with irreverence, mm. and they're dead. Wow. Hundreds of years later, there's another head priest, Eli. He has two sons that are so corrupt, they're committing adultery with the women that gather at the tabernacle. Ninety feet away from where Nadab and Abihu were struck dead. Jeez. And they're not being struck dead. Why? Because the lamp of God was going out. The word of the Lord was rare in those days. When God's presence is glorious, his word is strong. His revelation is strong, correct? Mm -hmm. So in other words, the presence of the Lord, it was Ichabod. He had departed. So they're committing sin right there Mm -hmm. where Nadab and Abihu were struck dead, literally 90 feet away. Why have pastors been lied to in the beginning of the 21st century and people haven't fallen over dead? Why do Ananias and Sapphira lie about their offering? They're church members. They're bringing their offering. Why do they fall over dead? Because the glory was so strong. The glory of God has not been made strong, but God is bringing us there. And that's why he's working on our character. And that's why the holy fear of God is so important. So this flippant, wow, well, I'm a friend of Jesus. He's my bro. He's my, he my buddy. <laughs> no. I'm like, okay, yeah. you are really not knowing who you serve. I mean, Isaiah was a preacher of righteousness. He said, woe to the wicked. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. Woe to the proud, right? That's right. Isaiah 5. Isaiah 6, he is one glimpse of God in his glory. It's no longer woe is the sinner, it's woe is me, because for the first time in his life, he realized who it is he's serving. John the apostle was so close to Jesus, but yet he sees him on the island of Patamos, and he falls down like a dead man because his face shines like the sun. Yeah. The Bible says when Jesus returns, he's going to darken the noonday sun. Think about it. It's still going to be shining, just like when the sun comes up in the morning, and it darkens the, scars, the stars. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Jesus is going to that darken the noonday and sun. And that's why men are going to say rocks fall on us and hide us from the face of mm-hmm. him who's coming. Mm-hmm. Listen, he came as the lamb. He's coming back as the warring, conquering, glorious king.
2: Let me, we're running a little short on time, so you're just going to s- have to get the
1: book. You got me excited. You like, wound me I up mean, and got me going here's, here. here's
2: the one thing that I, I'm, I'm hearing and I think I'm wrong in what I'm hearing. Okay. If I would just be obedient enough, I could prove to God that I'm, Good totally enough. Wrong. Right? And I think we approach it
1: that way. How do we get to that place that you're talking st- about being? We start with the holy awe, and the holy awe is what produces us in uh, the will and the desire to do his will. So, in other words, when we stand in awe of him, Do you know what I've learned, Randy? I just go into my prayer closet in the morning many times, and I just think of the awesomeness of God. Mm. You put your stars in the heavens with your fingers. You Mm. weighed every drop of water on this planet in the palm of your hands. You weighed the mountains in your scales. God, the universe can't even contain you. Mm. You measure the whole universe from your thumb to your pinky. That's what Isaiah said. And I just, the presence of God comes. Now, what does that do? That makes me want to obey all day. I mean, I like have a passionate desire to obey now because I've been in the presence. That awe has brought me into his presence. That's what Jesus meant when he said, this is the way you pray. Our father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Kept holy is your name. He was saying, come into the presence of God with holy awe.
2: Mm. And you've also experienced the benefits of that healthy kind of There's over
1: 40 benefits. Security, safety, confidence, freedom from all fear. Mm. I mean, there's people trying to, they're they're going to psychologists trying to figure out how to get free from fear. The fear of the Lord eradicates all other fears. Mm. Um, There is long life, productivity, wisdom, wisdom, knowledge, understanding. Do you know the Bible actually says that the fear of the Lord is a fountain? It's a continual flowing source of wisdom that protects us from the traps of death. Wow. Okay. Here's a man who had no relationship with God, but he feared God. Abimelech. Sarah is presented as his sister. Oh, yeah. He takes her into the harem. God comes to him in a dream and says, you're a dead man because you have another man's wife. He goes, Lord, meaning my Lord, I didn't know. I was told she was his sister. God said, I know, and that's why I kept you from sinning against me. So the continual source of wisdom actually kept him from the trap that was laid for him oh, wow. to sin, right? Oh, wow. So now this is my question. How can a man attend church for 20 years, hear the word of God, and end up in bed with another man's wife? There's only one reason, a lack of the holy fear of God. It's yeah. not rocket science. Yeah. yeah.
2: Okay, man. All right, this is, this is going to be my copy. You're going to have to ask for your own. Ask for John's book today if you help support water for life. Do something that is an act of obedience. And and that's one of the keys we're talking about here. And you understand what John's talking about? You'll want to do this. You'll want to reach out and bless the poor. Watch this, and, and we'll tell you how you can, I think, take a step towards that intimacy with God through obedience. And it's pretty simple. Watch this, and we'll
3: be right back. Just imagine having to bring back something your body has to have to stay alive, but it could possibly kill you. I'm here with this young girl, she's probably a similar age to my daughter, maybe 12, 13 years old, and she's just come down into this dry riverbed where they've, they've dug a hole out and they've let the water just seep up and she's collecting water for her family. You know, a girl this age, I mean, I don't know if you've got children this age, but I can't imagine my daughter having to walk for miles to come down to a riverbed like this. It's not that safe to start with, but then to have to actually come and dish up the water and then carry this heavy container of water all the way back to her village. Carrying what many times is not life, it's water. It'll quench a thirst, but it might steal a life. This is the reality for tens of thousands of young children throughout the continent of Africa who continue to make the journey day after day to bring back disease-filled water for them and their families. And that's why Mission Water for Life is so critically important. It's why we have to be able to get to this village and other villages like this, bring that water well, drill the water well, put a a, a pump in there so that this young girl can get fresh, clean, life-giving water. Not disease filled water, right in her village, not having to carry it for miles to get it back there. Please, partner with us today. Join your hands and your hearts with me. Make it possible for us to bring our drilling rigs here, to drill a water well, and to give life. In the form of water and let's see this village, this young girl who is dishing up water here, let's see her join those others as she celebrates and, and, and welcomes that new well into their village. Please make that joyous celebration possible. Make the gift of water possible because in doing so, you're going to be giving the gift of life.
2: I know every time we air pictures like that, we get all sorts of questions. You know, you get the question of, of why does God allow that? And I think the answer is he sent us to, to do something about it. You know, we are his hands and his feet. You don't go anywhere without feet. You don't reach out and touch someone without hands. And God says, you and I are his hands and his feet. You know, the scripture that says that he, Jesus is the vine and we are the branches. We understand that that means we need to be connected to him to, to draw life. But did you know that it's, it's the branch that produces the fruit, not the vine? We are to produce that fruit. We are the ones who are sent to give them an option. I honestly believe, because I've experienced it, I've seen it in others, and many of you have experienced it, that when we reach out to the poor in the name of Jesus, God does something miraculous, something supernatural
1: in our lives. Sean, I know you've seen this too. You've I been know. there. I've been I've been to Africa with you guys, and it's it's heart wrenching, but it's 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 it rejoices your heart at the same time to see that. We get the privilege of being able to help these beautiful people. And I kept thinking, when I was there, I got four boys. And and I'd, I'd watch these mothers with their children just desperate for water and food. And I was actually there with Esau and his dad, Peter, who's now with the Lord. And... It, it just it, it changed me forever, yeah. and I'm so grateful. This is one of the reasons why Lisa and I have supported Life Today. We love Life Today because of the way you're helping them one person at a time, but it's actually groups at a time the way you guys do it. You're so smart and innovative the way you're helping people.
2: Well, and it's only because people watching right now reach out and say I'm going to give let me give you a quick breakdown our goal this year is 350 wells across 20 nations we've been doing this for decades now and we have the privilege of of giving to the poor being generous to the poor because of your generosity but when we go in and we drill a well for clean water in one of these villages uh, it, it provides typically water for about 70 years we call it water for life for a thousand people and that's because villages come from all over the average cost of a well is forty eight hundred dollars which means your gift of forty eight dollars today will provide water for life on average for ten people that's ten lives changed many of you can do more than that a gift of one hundred and forty four dollars would provide water for thirty people Some of you can come together with others, drill half a well, a whole well, multiple, whatever you can do. I'm suggesting we be generous to the poor and let God repay us how He sees fit. Will you go online or go to the phone right now, make the best gift you can, and then expect good things from the Lord.
0: Every day, thousands of lives are lost to waterborne disease, and nearly half of those are children under the age of five. Through mission, Water for Life, you can give mothers hope and children a future as we provide clean, life-giving water for thousands of children and their families before it's too late. With your gift today, you can help drill and establish 350 water wells this year. Your gift of $24 will help provide clean water for five children. A gift of $48 will help provide for 10 $72 will provide for 15 And $144 will help provide life-giving water for 30 people for a lifetime. With a gift of any amount, we'll send you Daughter, written by James and Betty's granddaughter, Lainey Renee. This insightful book invites all girls and women to walk in the freedom of their God-given identity and embrace who they really are. With your gift of $100 or more, you may request the Great is the Lord decorative blanket, featuring the words of Psalm 145.3. This beautiful blanket is perfect for comfort in cold weather and a reminder of your help with Water for Life. Finally, please consider a gift of $1,200 to help provide water for 250 people or a gift of $4,800 to help sponsor a complete well and request our new bronze sculpture, A Cup of Water, inspired by Jesus' words in Mark 9:41. Please call, write, or make your gift online.
2: The water behind me has already taken the lives of two children that we know of. I know because I just left their parents and their younger remaining sister in their graveyard. It's not right that children should die and it's not right that they should die with a waterborne disease that we can so easily stop. Let's give them fresh water. Let's give them water that will not kill them. Let's give them water that will bring them life. Let's give these children a hope and a future by giving them clean drinking water. Go to the phone, go online, do it right now. Make the best gift you can. Help us bring this village and so many other villages like it a source of fresh, clean water. Let's give them water for life. Let's give them a hope and a future. We can do it with your help. I know you'll want this book. It will change your life. So ask for it when you support Water for Life. And I I really pray you'll do that. Uh, It's life changing. John, you know it. And I I know I appreciate your support. You guys have been great.
1: Thank you for coming. It's an honor. We love your family so much. And James, I'm so grateful because he is a dad to my wife. My wife basically lost her dad. And Mm. he's been a dad to Lisa for years. And I deeply love and respect him for that. Oh, I appreciate it.
2: Yeah, you guys are like family. And you guys are like family. So please come back for more Life Today. We'll see you again next time.
0: world adrift fight the good fight by james robinson and jay richards reveals the battle for our culture constitution shattered heroes vilify but hope remains unite repent and stand firm fight the good fight stay connected with life today through your favorite social media get access to exclusive content and news with the life today social media experience